And you just heard the Mitch Holtis Show. Now it's time for the Trez Taylor Show. Trez Taylor, of course, is a senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports. I'm Jay Binkley. He's Trez Taylor at Trez Taylor on Twitter. What's going on tonight, Trez? Oh, not a whole lot, man. Just watching football. Um, some really good football this weekend, my man, including what happened with the Chiefs game. So I can't really wait to dive into it. Oh, man, there was some ridiculous football on. And our guy uh, in college, Jalen Waddle, hurt. So that's not oh. good. Oh, brutal, man. Very special player. He's still going to oh. go pretty high. Oh, he's going to he's gonna be the national football league. I told you to keep your eye on that John Mechie, though. That's state. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. He's the I'm guy looking to forward watch. to it. Let's see what John Mechie can do. Yo, no question about it. I think he's going to take over for that uh, role. With uh, of course, will be the Devontae Smith show now. But uh, Trez, we talked National Football League and the Kansas City Chiefs ten straight against the Denver Broncos, including six in Denver. They win forty-three to sixteen, but they're zero and six on third down, only one hundred eighty-five net yards passing, and they still scored forty-three. That's what good teams do. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. They, they made it look. I mean, in some other ways, they made it look good too. I thought it was a great team effort. Um, special teams. How about our man Byron Pringle, the K State product? Some serious juice on that kick return, man. My word. He's showing. Um, also, I the defense showed up. Is that you for know, playing I, I time it was too? A complete effort. Is that for playing time too, Therese? Like, man, this guy, as you said, has some juice. He had that at Kansas State, two kick returns for touchdowns, but uh, mm -hmm. there's nothing that opens up the eye for playing time than doing stuff like that. Yeah, I think this dude's definitely going to have a chance to play more because whenever you can kind of show out an open field like that and show that next level, you know, there's something there that Andy Reid can really work with. You know, I, he can really work with that and scheme it up. You see him scheme up that type of speed with McCole Hartman all the time. So, um, look, Dave told Barbara loves him. Like, you know that. He's yeah. good there. But, you know, there, there's, there's, there, there's more for Byron Pringle that's out there, if not this year and next year. And it's going to be great and fun to see how he develops. Yeah, I mean, look at the quarterback that's going to be throwing to him, and it's going to be – it's going to be an incredible mixture, but we've seen different things with this team, Therese, and you go back to the Bills game. That was clearly Demarcus Robinson. Again, this team last year, six receivers led this team in receiving the first six weeks. I think it's always going to be situational. Demarcus played a lot in Buffalo, obviously no Sammy Watkins, so he was more in that blocking role. And the Chiefs ran for, you know, and the Chiefs yeah. completely ran over the Bills. And then you go in this one and McCall Hardman with his uh, great pro football focus grade, unbelievable talent there. But clearly the Chiefs are just doing situational. It could be the next guy could be somebody completely different the next week. Yeah, and that's the sign of a great team, right? Like it's just it could be one guy, one week's. One, one week, um, then another guy the next week. Um, and, and they all step in to help, like, when necessary. So, um, you know, I, I think that's going to be more important against good teams, Bank. I would not classify Denver as a good team, but um, <laughs> I, I do think we can recognize that, uh, you know, some teams are out there that we need to start paying attention to, whether it's – um, obviously, we know about Pittsburgh and we know about Tennessee, but but you know the Ravens. There, there are some teams out there that they're going to need a complete effort to beat when it when it matters in January. No loss is a good loss, Therese. But when you look back to that Raiders game, do you think that opened up some eyes? Because I remember Tyron Matthew talked about after the game in the locker room there on the Zoom call, talking about going back to the lab. These guys are accountable. Things are going to be different going forward. And since he said that. This defense has played different in the in the two weeks since that Raiders game. 
Yeah, I think anytime you lose, it's going to open up your eyes a little bit. You know, I think they took maybe the Raiders a little bit for granted. You know, they played hard. And they, you know, they played fairly focused, but there, there was another level they could get to. And I thought that, um, you know, you could just tell, you know, the Honey Badger was upset after that loss. And he was right. Like they, they bounced back since then and, um, really, really put together some complete performances like you gotta love what you saw from the defense granted you know mm -hmm. denver's offense has a little ways to go because their offensive line stinks but um you know they did what they were supposed to do like they took advantage of a young quarterback and they took advantage of their mistakes man so you know what you're seeing now is this team really start to kind of kind of round in the form here and i'm sure they'll have another good performance this week against a horrific jets team just a bad Jets team, um, you know, and, and I, I know this. I'm glad you mentioned the Raiders. I, <laughs> when they go to <laughs> Vegas, so I'm sure the Chiefs oh, are going to – they're, yeah. they're going to be very motivated to win that one. Will they take a victory lap around Allegiant? <laughs> My man Nick Jacobs um, reported that, man. Yeah, I, yeah they <laughs> – I don't, I don't think Andy is going <laughs> to – I don't think they'll take a victory lap, but they will know about the victory lap and – um, you know, they're going to put up some points in that one. You can believe that. Yeah, I'll never forget when Nick tweeted that. I was like, whoa, this is this is juicy. And and Nick's yeah. not going to put something out there just for whatever. It's going to be the real deal. So that's why I thought, okay, right. this, this is a real deal. All right, well, we'll talk about Mahomes for a second, to, Therese. Obviously, the defense and special teams showed out. And again, when you score 43 points, yeah, you can look at a few things here and there, not getting third down conversions, but that's a mark of a good football team. But what do you notice – Mm -hmm. from teams, what they're doing to Mahomes. Because you can go back to him facing some good defensive coordinators. Obviously, Gus Bradley with the Chargers. Got a lot of respect for him, what he did in Seattle with the Seahawks and the Legion of Zoom. Uh, Wink Martindale in Baltimore is no slouch. He decided to blitz him. Uh, you've seen the Chiefs go against a defensive mind like Sean McDermott, uh, the best of the best, Bill Belichick, and all of them seem to have a different wrinkle. And I figured Vic Fangio, we can say what we want about quarterback development or offense, but this guy does no defense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And generally teams have tried have been fairly passive, like when it matters, like, you know, they'll drop seven or whatever. But I thought that, um, you know, Vic has a lot of confidence in his scheme now. So, you know, he wasn't just going to, just just play passive you know there were times they doubted up a little bit on the Chiefs you know he really schemed it up really well in points where you know you, you know you and I both know um when, when guys come on blocked off the edge a lot of times the tackles are responsible for the guys inside because they're the more immediate threat so you kind of got to get the ball out sooner than that or make some adjustment with the protection or whatever um but but Vic is a master of of putting your defense putting your offense in situations where you know it's hard to to, to do that like he's great at setting up his defense where you know there's going to be an unaccount you know unaccounted for a blocker and um you know he had that a couple times and they, they played some man and they, they were a little you know they they blitzed a little bit and um you know it was it was a <laughs> it was a fairly it was a good defensive game plan they just got all talented right and the chiefs played a a, a complete game um and, and i mean it, it beat them but you know it I don't blame Vic for doing that because that's who he is, and he that's how he made his money in his league being a defensive coach. His scheme is outstanding, and he should you know he should go out on a shield with his scheme. So I get what they were doing. Um, he just needed a better performance for his from his offense, and uh, he certainly certainly did not need that kickoff return for a touchdown. No, that, that only made it worse. 
Yeah, they, they were using the wide nine, using the nine technique. And at one point, their defense actually saved the touchdown because they got the Mahomes. If Mahomes had one, maybe one and a half, two seconds, he would have hit Le'Veon Bell that was wide mm-hmm. open in the flat. And that defensive pressure did save that. Are we seeing the growth in Mahomes? Now, keep in mind, still a young guy at 25. And, you know, how do you get better? They say quarterbacks just get better every year. Fangio said that himself last week in the press conference. Mahomes was better this year than last year. Like, he didn't need to put up the numbers to be better. And I look at guys like Brett Favre, fourth in the NFL all-time in touchdown passes, but number one all-time in interceptions. People were covering Favre. They were double covering receivers down the field, trying to take the nine round away from him. But he would force the football in. To Mahomes' credit, he's not getting frustrated and trying to force the football down the field. Right, we don't want him to force it. You know, like, the staff doesn't want him to force it. People in Kansas City don't want him to force it. Um... The funny thing is that, like, when he forces it, sometimes he, like, completes it. But, um, you know, he's generally taking what the defense has given him, you know. And that's fine because they can just – they can really run the ball on you now, and that's starting to become like a thing. Like, I'm starting to really enjoy watching Nick Allegretti block, you know. Um, You know, him and Fisher, when they were pulling around on the power, that was impressive. I want to see more of that. Like, I like seeing those two move in space, you know. The 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 – they move pretty good for their size. And Allegretti's got a little extra oomph to him, a little vinegar. And I like watching him block. So um, that's fine if teams are going to want to do that. That's fine. That that means that Le'Veon Bell, who I thought looked great, I thought, uh, you know, and Clyde Edward D'Lair are just are, are going to eat. That's what that means. And then, you know, eventually, eventually they'll, they'll present some situations where they have to try to stop that. And then Mahomes will tear them apart. Yeah, we saw the same offensive line combination that we saw last week, obviously different than it was against the Raiders. We saw Daniel Kilgore start at center again. Uh, Nick Allegretti, you talk about the uh, kind of what he's brought to this team with that attitude. And then we saw Rimmers on the outside. And Eric Fisher, by the way, pro football focus um, had Eric Fisher um, on Sunday, 84.4 rating. As a matter of fact, Mm -hmm. his rating this year, third amongst AFC offensive tackles with 200 snaps that also include Garrett Bowles, which I'll bring up something he said in a second, and Laramie Tunsil. So he's in good company for having a good year. We don't talk about Eric Fisher very often, but as an offensive lineman, that's good. You know, and it's so important that your tackles are, are solid. Like, they needed him to be good, you know. They, they needed him to be good this week especially. And he really answered the bell. Um, you know, Fisher's a guy that, you know, deserves a lot of respect for a rough start to his career and the way he's bounced back from that. You know, he saw it through. He's become a pro bowler. He's become a, a good offensive tackle in this league. And, you know, um, I don't think it's a coincidence that when he plays, like, they typically win, you know. And, uh, you know, I'll add this, Bank, you know, that for him to have a good performance on Sunday was impressive because I know they don't have Von Miller, but, like, Bradley Chubb's a good player. And so is their other um, edge rusher, Malik Reed. You know, Reed's a good player, yeah, man. Yeah, two sacks. Um, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm impressed with him. Um, so I, I think, you know, it, and with Vic dialing it up, you know, like they can they can get their pressure. And if your tackle – um, if your tackles aren't good, like that could have been a much harder game, but it wasn't because they were good. Trez, two things here, some cuts. I want to hear you to hear one is Garrett Bowles. We talked about him, obviously a first round pick on, on the starting on the offensive line with Denver. I'm going to see if you agree with this. And by the way, I heard you get fired up earlier with Charles Robinson. So, <laughs> you know, I'll play that later, but here's Garrett Bowles on, on the chiefs. Personally, um, I don't think there's really anything that, 
makes them more spectacular than us. We have a lot of dogs in this locker room. We have a lot of people that, you know, we match them speed for speed. Our defense is probably better than their defense, but it comes down to the little mistakes that we continue to make. We turn over the ball. When you turn over the ball with the Super Bowl champs, a team like that with Mahomes, they're going to put points on them. You look back what the Raiders did. They controlled the game clock. They controlled the field, and they ended up winning 42 to 20. So you look at things like that, and that's the thing that we're just not doing. And so it's very frustrating for me. It's very frustrating for you know, the offensive line in general. And we gotta we gotta go back and we gotta like I said, we gotta take a gut check and figure out how we can stop those those wounds that keep bleeding. You know, we hear things like that in the NFL, but uh, should you be talking about uh, your defense being better? Statistically, they were. They were 15th in the NFL in total defense. The Chiefs were 16th, so he had that right. But should we be talking about these things when you've lost 10 straight to a certain team? <laughs> it's the kind of thing that makes like a fan like the other fan base really angry you know but I, I get where he's coming from in the sense that if you're a pro football player you can't just be thinking that you know these other guys are just so much better than you like I get like he has to have like a a, sense, a, a sort of cognitive dissonance to try to like get there you mm. know what I mean and I get it I understand how they get there um but at the same time they're not they don't look close to beating Kansas City you know like they and they got to know that you know they got to know that I was talking about this on the podcast you know like all these teams in this division are evaluating themselves based on how they compete against Kansas City and you can argue that the team furthest away is Denver because Mm -hmm. the Raiders just beat Kansas City um and the Chargers always play them tough and they've got Herbert who looks awesome so where's Denver at you know they keep getting beat badly by the Chiefs like over and over again. So, I mean, they got a long way to go to kind of get there. And it actually starts up front uh, with his guys. You know, like I think it's off, like the offensive line is a problem because I like um, their skill players, you know, like Fant's a good player. Albert O looking good. I like some of the two tight end stuff they do. I like when they get Drew Locke on the move. I know you and I are both a fan of Locke. Like, and you know, I'm a Jerry Judy guy and Sutton didn't even play. Like they have weapons. Their problem is their offensive line stinks. Yep. Okay? Like, Cushenberry stinks. Like, they have – like, he's a rookie. So, like, that happens. Like, and you know I say, like, most rookies stink, right? So, hey. You know. But <laughs> He has the pedigree, you know, though. Look where he came from. Yeah, I, I know. But he's had a rough go of it this year. Like, teams mm-hmm. run stunts and stuff all day long in games, and they can't pick this up. Um, you know, the offensive line needs to get a lot better. They just do. They got to get better um, for that offense to reach its potential. And then defensively, they need some breaks. Like, they hurt losing Von Miller. But, um, yeah, I, I, they have to look within themselves and improve as individuals to get better because I, I, I'm serious. As I look at that, this division, they, they're they the team that feels the furthest away from competing with the Chiefs. Well, that's interesting you say that. I will say this. Derek Johnson uh, comes on the station every week with uh, on Fesco in the morning on, on Mondays. And he had said that turnovers aren't about luck. And I agree with him on that. I mean, here, here's the guy that was all-time Chiefs leading tackler. And they'll say that. I mean, you can tell certain teams that try to flip games by tomahawking the football, punching mm-hmm. it out. You can tell the teams that want to go over there and make a turnover and those that don't even try to do it. So it's not about luck. It's just chance meets opportunity. That's what luck is supposed to be. But I agree with DJ there. Those four turnovers matched the uh, high for the Patriots game for the Chiefs this year. They all came at great opportunities for the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. And, 
you know, um, Locke's got to continue to improve as well. And uh, Drew will be the first one to tell you that. He does some things really well. He's got a good arm. He's athletic. I thought, you know, the zone read keeper he scored on. Like, he's a good athlete. And he escaped trouble a few times. Like, Drew has some real skills, you know. But, like, he needs to be more accurate. And I'm sure he would tell you that. You know, he's got to make some better decisions. I'm sure he'll tell you that. You know, I just hope that they continue to build around him the right way. You know, that they give him time he needs to keep developing, that they put the line in front of him, you know, that they let him stay with Pat Shermer for a while. Do you understand? Like, I, I just hope that they give him the chance um, to keep developing and, and, and really growing this potential, because I do think Drew has a lot of potential. Boy, he was really good with Josh Heupel, had the 44 touchdowns in the SEC. He's had four offensive coordinators last four years. You can't build consistency with that. But uh, he's Trez Paler. This is Trez Paler's show. Of course, Trez Paler's senior NFL writer for Yahoo and is also an NFL Hall of Fame voter. Trez, I've got something for later in the show where I've heard you fired up today, and I absolutely loved it. <laughs> I loved it so much it might be my new ringtone. We'll bring that up here in just a little bit because Trez got fired up today, and I'll bring that up. But coming up next, though, you mentioned Le'Veon Bell. I want to know how how you think the Chiefs are going to utilize him and Clyde together from what we sure. saw in Denver. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to the Therese Paler Show, Monday nights at 7, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Therese Paler Show right here on 610 Sports Radio. We do this on Monday night. Therese Paler, um, senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports, used to be the beat writer for the Kansas City Chiefs and, of course, hosts a podcast out there as well. In the coolest thing ever. He is a Hall of Fame voter as well. Therese, in Denver, we get to see some Le'Veon Bell. We're going to get to see more and more of them, I think, as we go. I was kind of wondering what you were thinking about that tandem. We even saw them both in the backfield at the same time. That's what we love, Therese. Yeah, I loved it. Um, You know what? Bell, Bell, Bell looks good. You know, Bell had some juice. I know it was only six carries, but... You know, I love the pace he ran with on some of those runs, and you could kind of see it coming, you know. You could kind of see that, yeah, he's getting a little warm-up before the Jets game. So, <laughs> you know, I can't wait to see what his celebration is, and I'm sure he'll score a touchdown. Oh, I'm glad Gates um, kept I love the job. way that those two have a chance to work together. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think they've really got like a – they, they complement each other really well, and I can't wait to see how Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy are going to are gonna, – fit those pieces in together and utilize their skills. Yeah, they got to be excited about Bill, too. And there was there was a Denver, what, what I brought it up earlier, did a nice uh, stunt, and they got the Mahomes. Had he had one more second, he hits Le'Veon Bell in the flat. Mm-hmm. And we're probably talking about a Le'Veon yeah, Bell yeah. touchdown reception at that point. Yep. His stats look a little bit different. All Mahomes needed was about one more second to hit Le'Veon mm-hmm. Bell, but you clearly saw him being integrated kind of in what the Chiefs want to do in the passing game. Uh, I think we'll get to see him more in some blocking in the backfield. There's a couple of plays yep. I don't think the Chiefs had to have been real happy about with that offensive line with Denver getting to yep. Mahomes and hitting them the way they did. Yeah. Yeah, we covered that a little bit last week. Like you saw a little hints of it. Like here's the three ways he's helping. The screen game and the pass game as one. Also in pass protection and obvious passing situations, he's just better at it than anyone else they have. And also in the red zone. And you'll see him used in those ways over the coming weeks and over the coming season. Like you'll see him make an impact in all three of those areas if they have their way, um, if things break right. Do you think they're going to use him in situations, Trez, where we can start looking? I mean, they're not going to take Clyde's plays away from him and I do think he's a good mentor mm-hmm. for Clyde I I love the fact that Eric Bieniemy was talking about and Dylan McCullough that here's Le'Veon Bell reaching out to Clyde 
you know, before he signed here and say, I'm, I'm not here to step on toes. I'm not here to take your job. That's pretty big time for a veteran to say that to a rookie. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that just doesn't happen all the time. It shows you why he's a good fit in Kansas City. Do you think this could get to eventually a 60-40 split or a 70-30, more of the split that we could see? Oh, yeah. I think I think it could get to 60-40, 65-35. But, but I also think it's going to depend on situations because, um, you know, there are going to be some situations where Bell is a better fit for what they want to do, whether it's second and long or third and long, you know, unless they're going to run the ball. And I, I thought this was interesting, too. Like, feels like Andy is starting to – Andy and Eric are starting to – Get Edwards Elair evolved a little bit in the past game. Like I saw he was targeted four times um this week. And um, you know, it's it's they're gonna use both those guys in the past game, but the ability of both to catch is so important because it means they're gonna stay multiple and it means defenses won't be able to stay on top of what they're doing. I know you guys have some comments here on the text line. Keep those comments rolling in. Nine one three five seven six. 7610 Trez and I will get to them at the end of the show. We go around the NFL, then answer questions from you guys. So save those questions up, hit up the text line right now, and Trez and I will answer those. Trez, before we go to the break and start looking around at some other teams in the National Football League, Harrison Butker. This is an interesting thing to me. This guy is his nails when he's out in the field. Doesn't matter snow or anything else or the rain in Buffalo, mm-hmm. he'll make them. But the extra points. There seems to be something yeah. there. When you when you miss an extra point in five different games against five different opponents, there, there's something there. When you can sit there and drill field goals, but not extra points. And I don't know if it's the holding of Tommy Townsend, the way they spin the ball, but it doesn't make sense, though, because the field goals go through, and it hadn't hurt the Chiefs yet, but I'm curious what you see and when you talk around the league, look around the league at kickers and maybe yeah. what goes through their mind. Well, you know, they made it a more competitive play, you know, by mm-hmm. moving it back. So, you know, as I'm watching all these games, I'm seeing kickers miss extra points. Now, uh, unfortunately for Chiefs fans, I mean, this is a little much now, okay? Yeah. Like 19 to 24 on extra points, even though it's been moved back. Like it's like you got to get better at that because eventually it will cost you in a game you don't want it to cost you in, right? But here's the good news. Like I would just put my faith in Dave Tobe to figure it out. He's one of the very best in the NFL to do it. Um you know, believe me, he is more annoyed by about it than you are. Okay, like trust me on that. Oh yeah, Dave Tobe is more annoyed by this than you guys are. So, um, just based on his history and his standing in this league, this will get fixed, right? But it, it is something that needs to be fixed because like, you're right, man. Butker is nails. You know, thirteen or fourteen this season, but you know that nineteen to twenty four extra points is something that's like not okay. He's got to get it fixed because you can't have those in January. Yeah, I've never seen a kicker do it against the Chargers. <laughs> he drilled that 58-yarder that he had to do it again. He did it like three times. I was like, man, this is like the best game I've ever seen from a kicker. I mean, I liked it, man. I mean, I liked the way that he walked and the clothes that he was wearing. He always dresses sharp. But I was like, you let him he know you're a kicker, man. You do what you got to do, Harrison Butker. <laughs> <laughs> you, you be the man, man. I'm good with that. But I have no, I have a lot of faith in Tobe just kind of figuring out. It's yeah. got to drive him nuts, too, because he nails field goals. So, oh. you know, there's nothing mechanically wrong with the snap, the hold. I mean, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Maybe it's is a subliminal thing. I, I have no idea. But he'll make the kicks and not the extra points, so we'll work on that. We'll look around the <laughs> NFL just a little bit, Trez. There's a couple teams I want to get your opinion on before we really look around the NFL at the end. And coming up next, you go ballistic on your podcast with Charles Robinson, and I absolutely <laughs> love it. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to the Therese Paler Show, Monday nights at 7, 610 Sports Radio. 
Welcome back to Therese Paler Show. I'm Jay Binkley. Nick Price producing the operation. Don't forget, Red Reaction. Really good show, 8 to 9 tonight with Dusty Likens. Your thoughts, maybe at the water cooler that you had about the Chiefs. Call Dustman, 28-9. He'll be with me tomorrow, by the way, on Beacon Night. All right, Therese, I was listening to your podcast. You and Charles Robinson put on a tremendous podcast, and I like your menu. You even put on there what you talked about at what time. I like that, Therese. Appreciate that, my man. Yeah, it's, and I'm, I'm excited to hear you pick the clip because oh, yeah. I, I, it just I came to me, man. This is my, this just... my favorite, favorite <laughs> Trismo. Matter of fact, I go back in this little conference room and uh, often, well, I read your stuff. When I'm, I was reading your stuff today on the um, the Steelers at the gym, and I, I go back and listen to your podcast because I was curious how you thought about it. Now, I saw Charles Robinson, who thought differently than you, and I was wondering how you did. Now, this is the play. All right, John Bostic is with the with Washington. And he, he, he destroys Andy Dalton. And I'm not talking, you know, I'm talking where you, you you lean in the hit. I mean, it was a clear targeting deal. Didn't just let him slide. He was giving himself up and hit him. Here's the play. Dalton back to throw, and they protect him, and he rolls right and runs out of the end zone and slides at the 10. That's gonna, yeah, that's going to oh, be a late hit. Oh, he got nailed. Yep. And he is not up yet. His helmet got knocked off, and there are literally four flags down there. Dalton's hurt. Ben DiNucci, warm up because it's going to be an automatic first down. Dalton went to slide and did feet first, and he he got him right to the head. It, this had every element oh, of did. a penalty. Every oh yeah, element. that is that is head to head, and uh, be concerned for Andy Dalton. Well, Therese, that was the play that we were talking about right there. I think you know what I would do, and it's very similar to you. All right, here's vintage Therese Paler right here. But what you do is on this next play, you get handled. You know, cut, block, some dirty shit is happening. Street justice is what I'm yep. talking about during the course of the play. And it sounds like there wasn't any of that, okay? There's a couple of different ways to handle this. You don't even have to get the personal foul penalty, but you better be doing some street justice. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, Therese. Some street <laughs> justice. Make them know that was your quarterback because if this was Mahomes... The Chiefs' offensive line oh would have God. taken Bostic oh. and probably put him on their back and pregnant him around the oh. stadium before beating him. And you know what's funny? Like, Andy doesn't, like, play that. Like, Andy doesn't want his guys getting those penalties. But, like, if somebody tries to take that that to, to Mahomes, like, you have to do something there. And I, I got to be fair here to Dallas. Like, the guy who did it, Bostic, was kicked out. So they couldn't, like, do it at that. They couldn't do it on subsequent plays. No, like, the time no. to do it was then. It was time, the time to do it was, hey, that's a dirty hit. Let's get after this guy. Like you, here's the thing. The worst part about it, Bink, was that, you know, some of those guys, like, they're, they're kind of like, they're not like that good. So they should, like, it's not like they'd be hurting the team a lot by, you know, by, by if they got ejected too, like you got to show enough pride to defend your quarterback. And that's why Mike McCarthy was so upset by it. He announced it to the media, yeah. which I'd never, which you never hear of that, 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 that they got some problems. You know, when you got the head coach acknowledging that, that gives it life. That gives it fire. That means they got bigger problems than that in their locker room right now. You know, I, I understand. I understand they're, they're without most of their offensive line. Matter of fact, they only have one lineman uh, that, that started in week one, and they're missing all their big dogs. But still, man, 
backups, yeah. you still got to do it, man. And I get it, I man. Agree. They have a lot of line problems, but I'm with you on that. But anyway, I enjoyed it, Therese. It almost makes it worse, Bink. Yeah. It almost makes it worse because, like, you're not playing well. The very least you can do is defend your guy. Oh, like, I know. We learned this in high school, man. Like, it's what you do. High school linemen know that you can't let people take shots at your quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Zach Martin's out, praying the night. Collins, of course, is out as well with that team. So it's like Tyron Smith out. So those guys would have probably taken care of it. But you're right. Mike McCarthy did say it after the game. And you know that, that, that that's a fractured deal. You got players that don't really like McCarthy. And I guess McCarthy didn't really like some of the players. But anyway, I, I saw you get riled up. And I know it's just one play. But uh, <laughs> it's one play. But I, I heard some. We even had to be bleeped. Right? You even had to be bleeped. Yeah. And that's what I know you were, you were mean in business. But another one. And you had an article about this on uh, Yahoo Sports. And I thought it was the game of the weekend and a good litmus test between the Titans and the Steelers. And we're going to get another one this weekend with the Steelers and the Ravens. We'll find out who's real or not. Now, this game, Steelers-Titans. Steelers looked like they were running away with this thing. Here come the Titans. Steelers have a tendency to do this. Even with that great defense, let teams back in the game. But did you? Did anything come to your mind after watching this game? Can you definitively say the Steelers are better than the Titans? I can, I can, because uh, Bink, the Steelers lost a turnover battle three nothing, three zero. I don't got to tell you, like against a good team, that'll get you beat. The Titans are a good team. The Steelers still won. Now they got a little break at the end because Guskowski missed the field goal, but the Steelers still won the game. They could play a lot better than that. Um, and I thought it was really fascinating from a historical perspective. Um, NFL research said that. That game was the fifth time in NFL history that two undefeated teams met in week seven or beyond. That's in crazy. the previous four times, the winner of that, that game went on to go to the Super Bowl. Um, so you have that, which legitimizes the Steelers' Super Bowl. Like, you know, they're a contender. They're a contender for sure. Um, but how about this? The last time the Steelers started 6-0, and Bink, Mm-hmm. 1978. Yeah. That was their best steel curtain team. The curtain. That was their best team. That was a great football team. So they got a lot going for them. They got a great defense, even without my man, Devin Bush Jr. And they got a multiple offense that can hurt you in a lot of different ways. Like, I really like Pittsburgh this year, man. I, I think they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. When you look at their schedule, and they're earmarked for 15-1 and one or 14-2. and two. Now, they've got to take care of business. Right. And it's, we can't just look at schedules and say, all right, it's automatic win or loss. We know how this works. Look what the Raiders did the Chiefs a couple weekends ago. You wouldn't have had that as a win for the Raiders. Things happen in this league. But I do feel we'll find out more about them with the Ravens. If they can parlay the Titans oh, yes. and the Ravens in back-to-back weeks, it's time to start talking about the Steelers instead of Baltimore as the biggest threat to the Chiefs. Yeah, guess what? It's a road test, too. You know that binky? You know about those bank road mm-hmm. tests? That's where you get to measure yourself against a great team on the road. Road test, and I love them. Um, they 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 tell you so much, right? Because um, the the best thing about those games is that you know you're gonna get like generally like the best effort from your guys because like everything's gonna be against them, the crowd. Um, you know, the home field advantage, all that stuff. So even though there's not going to be much of a crowd in Baltimore, <laughs> Baltimore is going is really eager to, like, deal those guys a loss because as far as they're concerned, they're defending AFC North champs, right? And these guys are trying to come in and 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 take what they've got. So 
the, the, Bing, you know I'm watching that game. But oh, you, I, you know this I game. Know. That game could not be more up Therese Paler's alley. This is look, it's the black and blue division, you know. It's gonna and that's what the AFC North is now. That's what it is. And it's a five star matchup, as Mac Mike Tomlin likes to say. You know, between two teams that have a great history of extraordinarily physical games. Bing, I'm telling you, like I know you and I like the same type of football. This game is gonna be extremely physical. Yeah, it like is. extremely physical. It's going to be great. It is, Therese. You talk about the, you know, the lack of fans, and we obviously know that that's a big part of you know traveling on the road. But I always thought, too, to be honest with you, you know, getting on a plane, going to a hotel, doing those COVID protocols. I know you have to do those at home, too, but it seems mm-hmm. to me it would be still easier to be in your routine being at home. I think there is an advantage to being at home than being on the road because of the different protocols mm-hmm. and stuff. Now, take the fans out of it. You still have to travel on a plane and do a lot, a lot of stuff, to be honest with you. Yeah, listen, the, the the travel part of it is an annoyance, you know, perhaps now more than ever because of COVID, you know, you, you can't hang out and stuff in these different cities because some, some teams do, <laughs> but you can't now, like they, they got you on lockdown. So it's just, you know, the, now the flip side is that it's you, you, because it is like a trip, you know, it's like a business trip, you know, but um, it's certainly not as comfortable as being at home and sleeping in your own bed. But I do think that the Steelers will enter that game focused. And I think the Ravens will enter that game focused. And when you talk about pro football and two really good teams who enter a game like that with stakes on the line, you have the makings of a great football game. That's really what football is all about. So personally, you know, I can't wait. No question about it. this. Trez Paler show coming up next. We're going to go around the NFL Plus, take your questions at 913-576-7610 on our text line. But you got to hear this one more time. But what you do is on this next play, you get handled. You know, cut, block, some dirty shit is happening. Street justice is what I'm yep. talking about <laughs> during the course of the play. And it sounds like there wasn't any of that. Okay? There's a couple different ways to handle this. You don't even have to get the personal foul penalty. But you better be doing some street justice. You're listening to the Therese Paler Show, Monday nights at 7, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Therese Paler Show, 6 to 7's Monday, right here at 610 Sports Radio. We'll podcast this out as soon as we're done if you had, didn't get a chance to listen to it all. All right, Therese, let's go around the NFL. All right, Terrence, we saw this not only in college football in the Penn State-Indiana game, but we saw it in the NFL. The Falcons lost the game to your Detroit Lions by scoring a touchdown. Get down. Get down. Let your team spike it. Matt Patricia, had that, that brought up when that Penn State-Indiana game happened, it brought back his memory back when he was New England. Hey, we need to do this, and it worked out for him this time. Brother, I have never seen a situation where the Lions get out Lions because the other team <laughs> – was inept, but that was a Lions-like loss by the Falcons, and they got their just desserts a uh, uh, loss to the Detroit Lions, who, <laughs> who somehow, who somehow are 500. I think we need to give a lot of credit that Penn State Indiana for kind of bringing it back up to Matt Patricia, like, oh yeah, because they tried that in the Super Bowl against the Giants, the Patriots did, it didn't work. But they had enough time for Tom, but uh, gave the Lions enough time to come back and win that game. So the Falcons lose by scoring. Imagine me saying that <laughs> about the Atlanta Falcons. We were treated to a nice game last night. Should have been the Raiders and Buccaneers on Sunday night football. 
but obviously COVID moved that game up, and we saw a spectacular game by really two great quarterbacks in Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. Cardinals now 5-2. and two. Would you put this team in the legit category? Are they more well-rounded than the Seahawks? I know the Seahawks can score, but they can't stop anybody. Yeah, the Seahawks' defense stinks. And not, yeah, I mean, they need Jamal Adams. Like, I got you, sure. But, like, their defense stinks. And um, Arizona is pretty competitive there. Like, Buda Baker looks a lot like Tyron Matthew. You know, mm-hmm. like, he he's in that class. Like, he's, he's a similar type player, right? Um, and they've got some impact players um, on that side of the ball, including the Lathan North grad and Isaiah Simmons, who will one day be an impact player. Had been struggling to make his mark, Bink, yep. but he had a really clutch interception. So I- I'm a big fan of the Cardinals, man. I love Kyler Murray, and it's fun to see what they're doing. Is that team more legit in your mind than the other Oklahoma quarterback-led Browns and Baker Mayfield? Which 5-2 and two are you buying more? Good question. Good question. Um... I'm going to go with the Cardinals just because, like, Murray's playmaking ability is greater. I, I do think Cleveland will weather the loss of Odell Beckham okay. Um, and I, I think they'll finish with nine wins, too. But I I, I just – they're, they're going to miss them a little bit. And I do think that um, Arizona's defense um, has, like, shows flashes of confidence. And I, and I think I've got – I've still got some issues with the Browns' defense, especially against really good teams. Oh, I do like me some Isaiah Simmons. You're talking about a safety that played linebacker, won the Buckus Award as a linebacker, and he's both. He's a safety and a linebacker. To me, he's the modern-day version of the Honey Badger. He hadn't got there yet, but that's what he is, a bigger yep. version. Yep, exactly. I, I think it's a similar type player, you know. And, um, you know, I, I – I, I think that, that what's interesting, though, is that I think they've got a different view of who he is, though. I think they see him as a Brian Erlacher type. Like, they want to play him at linebacker. Um, and I, I, what I would do is use him as a supersized honey badger. It sounds like we agree on that. But yeah. I think their vision for him is a little bit different. But I think what they're going to find is they want to get this guy on the field soon. They better just let him play up against tight ends and they better let him play as that supersized kind of slot guy that because that's what he wants to do he told me that <laughs> he wants to match up really? with tight ends like let guys do what they want to yep. do you know what yeah, honey badger created a new position basically you know even vic fangio said in his last decade he can't think of somebody more versatile than the honey badger and that's what these teams are doing Therese. instead of putting four three and three four depth charts they're putting on nickel depth charts it's what yeah, the nfl I mean, is now yeah, I mean, it's, that's because the league is encouraging it, too. Don't underestimate the yep. fact that most teams' bases is 11 personnel, three wide, which means that you're better off having a base of nickel with that nickel guy being a Viper sort of guy, like a like a, a, a Matthew guy, a guy who can match up in certain um, man or zone coverage responsibilities or play to run. That nickel guy's got to be arguably your most well-rounded defensive player if you want to be a good defense. Got some reading material for you, Therese, even though you probably read it. The origins of the air raid offense. Everybody's saying it was Mike Leach and at, at Kentucky and how mummy and what they did in in, uh, in college, at lower-level college and at Kentucky and Texas Tech. But they, they were talking about how the NFL's been running for years, how Belichick basically ran components of the air raid while they were still doing it in college. So it is hitting the NFL by storm you mentioned the odell beckham injury torn acl another big injury in the national football league yeah it's brutal it's brutal um you know i, I still think cleveland's gonna finish with a decent record but 
you know, you hate to see it because they finally found an identity as a, as a multiple run-oriented team that play actions off that, and now they lose their biggest deep play threat. So that offense is going to take a real big hit if Higgins, Rashard Higgins, and Donovan Peoples-Jones can't, like, replicate that deep ball threat because they need that. Therese, we see the uh, New England Patriots now in third place behind the Bills and Ooh. the Dolphins. Cam yeah. Newton told to take a seat with the Patriots down 27 points. He won. Belichick wanted to see uh, Jared Stedham get some action. Well, he ended up throwing a pick. Newton had three of them. Uh, Newton took accountability for the way he's playing. But, and Belichick's going to stick with Cam Newton. But Cam Newton even said, hey, man, if I don't keep playing, they're going to pull me. This is not something I got to play better. I mean, he admitted it. But what's wrong with the New England Patriots is is because I was curious about Belichick and going against yeah. Brady and all this. But what's happened to this team since that Chiefs game? Yeah, man, the the offense lacks explosive capability. Like there's no juice in the offense. Like they can play like a physical ground oriented game. You know, they can do that. But teams are going to take that away. And they have been. So now Cam's got to win with his arm. And he's been accurate. He hasn't looked great since he came back from COVID. We have to acknowledge that. Um, and then beyond him, they don't have anybody with any juice, really. You know, aside from Jules, you know, Julian Edelman. And that's not good enough. That's not good enough. I still think they'll finish, you know, 8-8, eight and eight, maybe even 9-7. or seven. But, you know, they, they have to get some juice on that offense this offseason. Have to. Yeah, they, they need to. And that's why I was looking at some of these wide receivers. Julio Jones was thinking of, you know, Patriots-type moves. See what's true. I'm still interested in the Belichick versus Brady. And I know I've been told it's way past the point. Should have got, a, you know, Tom in his prime. But I think it's still something to talk about. Speaking of that, Tom Brady, they added Antonio Brown. Tom looked good mm -hmm. against the Raiders. Very good. Tom's looked very good. And that defense continue. I mean, that defense is great. I think the Bucks are like top 10 DVOA in the history of them doing it because they're good on offense and defense. Are the Bucks the team now in the NFC? Yeah. Yes. Yes. The Bucks are the most well-rounded team in the NFC, my friend. That is a team that plays defense. They rush the passer. They stop the run. They've got a ton of playmakers on offense, and they've got a really pissed-off, motivated Hall of Fame quarterback. And their run games come around too, Bank. You know, Ron Jones, like yep. they're, they're okay there. So, the dude, I'm telling you, the Bucks are the best team in the NFC. And I know it's just week eight, but I feel that. Like, I think they're the most well-rounded team. They're going to be really difficult to beat in the playoffs, barring injuries or COVID or something like that. Well, Antonio Brown looks like he's going to be a Buccaneer. That should come out tomorrow officially now when he passed protocols the five days. Bruce Arians didn't want him at first. But I told them, I said, watch out, man. Tom Brady wanted A.B. in New England. Tom Brady's going to want A.B. in Tampa. I don't care if Bruce Arians said it or not. Tom still runs the show. Antonio Brown, can he, can he keep it together for the rest of the season? I have no idea. But I know this. It's on Tom to make sure he does. He vouched for him. He's his problem, right? In <laughs> retrospect, though, we see why he wanted Antonio Brown. Because guess what? He knew that offense didn't have any juice last year. He knew he was trying to win a Super Bowl. Tom was right. Um, but A.B. just couldn't get out of his own way. Um, if you're the Bucks, you just hope that this guy doesn't somehow um, ruin the good thing you've got going. Because I think they have enough, to be honest. This is just bringing, this is like one step. But I think without him, they have enough. You just hope that, you know, he doesn't cause a distraction or anything else. So we'll see how it goes. But the responsibility of keeping Antonio Brown within the framework of the team is on him.
Therese, here's a couple questions from the text line. Got you. From the 816, why didn't the offensive line even touch Chubb? Patrick can't do his thing if there's no protection. It is true. There was twice Patrick Mahomes was drilled in the backfield, unabated by the defensive line, including Bradley Chubb, who came in with three and a half sacks in the previous two games. Yep, overload blitz. All these linemen have responsibilities. And typically, when the line, when the defense is sending more than you can block, your responsibility is inside to block those guys because those are the guys that are a greater threat. Then it's on the quarterback to either make that guy miss or get the football out to the hot read. So, um, you know, and then sometimes they just make a good play and you can try to do the right thing and they just made a good play. So, I mean, it, it happens. You know, it, those guys get paid too. You know, it happens. Yep. For the 417, what's going on with Mahomes in the passing game? Nobody can catch a ball. I know we're up against it here, Therese, in about 40 seconds. But, hey, yeah, we've seen some drops. We've seen some key drops. Yeah. So Clyde Edwards dropped the touchdown. We saw Kaiser uh, drop yep. a couple this year as well. It was snowing or whatever, but you're going to have a quarterback that's not going to blame you, and that's a good thing. Yeah, wide receivers just got to – the target's got to focus in and bring in the ball. Um you know, they, 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 they just have to do a better job hollering it in. And then they, they're working on their execution on this short stuff because defenses are taking away the deep ball. So here's the thing. The more reps they get at it, the better they'll be at it. They'll be fine by December, in my opinion. Well, that's Trez Paler from the Trez Paler Show. Yahoo Sports, where you can find Trez and his great articles. Or follow him on Twitter, at Trez Paler. Dusty Likens, Red Reaction, next.